I would like for you to consider this evening a time that we meditate on thoughts and scriptures that will prepare us for better service toward each other and toward God and toward those who are in need of our support and help. And primarily we are speaking of the support and the help and the prayers that we will give Cheryl Ann Ethery and her mother, Donna Beth Baker, who's been with us and we're well aware of her going into the hospital Tuesday, which is a critical time because she will be undergoing some chemotherapy that will put her under the surveillance of all of the specialists and the people who will be observing her and keeping her free from infections while her immune system is down. And we believe that God is the author of all things, and he guides us, and that we're workers with him, and he works through us. And this is the time that we pause and we want to express our faith and trust in God, and we want to express our confidence in each other as workers together with God for a project that we have to here as we work together to assist her and to assist the ones who would be administering to her. And we want to do that by reading scriptures and seeing that we are people who live in two worlds. According to the Bible teaching, we not only live in this world that is materialistic, and it is temporal, and that is made up of our fleshly bodies. But we live in a spiritual world, a very real spiritual world. And it's taught so emphatically in the Bible. And when we can give that hope and that trust to a person who is being weighed between these two worlds, and her life is being certainly balanced by the technology that we have and by the findings that we have plus the providence of God, then we're great workers together with God's forces. I want you to turn, first of all, to a passage in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter and the, third, the ninth verse. The Apostle Paul is speaking to this congregation that he established. First went there, he was so afraid. God appeared to him, Jesus did, and said, Don't be afraid. You're going to stay here in 18 months. I have much people here. He wrote back after he established his congregation to these people, 
And he gave them a great lesson, one that we need tonight. The ninth verse of the third chapter says, For we are laborers together with God. Isn't that wonderful? Now, if we're laborers together with God, we live in two worlds. Because God doesn't live in this world alone. He lives in heaven. But we're workers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. We are in the business of fruit-bearing. Ye are God's building. He uses two different uh, structures here. One is of a person rearing or raising grapes and bearing fruit, and the other one where that you'd build a building. And he said, it's like that. That's the way you work with God. And according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. And then he gives us a key. Eleventh verse. 1 Corinthians 3 and 11, I think we all have memorized that one time or another. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our master builder. And he's in heaven at the right hand of God, but yet he's in our hearts. That's the reason we live in two worlds. We live in this one because we live in the flesh. We live in the other world because we live by faith. And Christ is our great high priest. I want you to turn to First Peter. Is another passage that I want us to get uh, to thinking about. And I want us to think about this as we continue to administer to people. First Peter 3, or First Peter uh, 2, and uh, we have the great message here in the fifth verse, on the fourth verse, it's still on Paul's uh, foundation and what he set up that we are built on Christ, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. It is a precious relationship we have that we workers with God. Ye also, as lively stones, are built upon a spiritual house as an holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, we are a holy priesthood. And you know what a priest does? A priest administers on behalf of people and upon behalf of himself to God. Poppy. And he's a person who's engaged in praying for forgiveness, for the right relationship. And he, he lays this down here in the sixth verse. He said, Whereunto also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded, means he'll not be disappointed. He'll not be disturbed. He'll not be disoriented. He'll not be in doubt. He'll be stabilized. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. 
Now, when we when we're working at, and we're helping people, and we're priests, we're helping people. The Church of Christ is not built uh, out of a, a person who serves as a pastor. We have pastors, which are elders, and we have plurality of them. But we're all priests, and we labor on behalf of everybody that needs it. And we need to catch the glimpse of that, that each one of us has a job to do, to help. And if we believe Christ is precious and he works in us, and but unto them which be disobedient the stone which the builders has allowed, the same as made the head of the corner, doesn't matter whether we believe in him or not, he's still the head. He's our foundation. And he becomes a stone of stumbling to those who, a rock of offense to those who don't believe, who are disobedient. But to the chosen, look at verse 9, and the royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. So we're here to minister. Now, I want you to turn to Revelation, the first chapter, and to continue that, that theme that we're priests and that we have a right to help people. And in fact, we have a mission to perform, and that is to administer to people. And we just don't have somebody, uh, the only person that can do it is some person who's appointed by the church. We're all priests. We're a holy priesthood. It's very important that everybody get involved. Our prayers, uh, God may hear, uh, he'll hear the honest, the, he'll hear the, the meaningful prayer that comes from a priest who is really pleading to him through faith. And it may be the least among us that that prayer will get to God. Now, I want you to look at that first chapter and uh, this message from the fifth verse of the first chapter. This is from Jesus Christ. We're living in two worlds. Who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead? He's already been there and come back, and he's the right hand of God, and he knows the answer of everybody. He knows when he wants to keep people on this side working or whether he wants to take them home with him, and we want to keep people here and fulfill his purpose we possibly can. We all love life. And he's the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And you know what he did to us? He made us kings and he made us priests. Every one of us can pray to God. Every one of us can request to God to do something. Every one of us can request that God guide these doctors and these people who are administering to share land and that they'll do just the right thing to keep her free from diseases that could take her life. And I don't know which prayer will get through, but I hope all of us, all of us do. And I hope she can see herself back working as a teacher five or six years from now, being productive, helping little children and, and people who need her help. He's made us kings and priests unto God, his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Thank God that we can be workers together with him. I want you to turn to Philippians, the fourth chapter, please. The church was a great help to Paul. 
There, never, there was never another congregation that worked for Paul like this man, or this, this congregation. And the fourth chapter has words in there in the original language that goes all the way back to the first of the book of the, of the Ephesians. And it connects it all together. It connects it all together. And he's, he is pleading with them that they are workers together and they're great. And there are people there that weren't working together. Look at that first verse, the fourth chapter. Dearly beloved, long for my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beg you, Odious, and her name was Mid getting along with people, and Seneca and her name did too. They weren't living up to their names that they were given. Now they be of the mind of Christ, and you know that like mind of Christ is where he prayed in the second chapter here, where he said, Let this mind be in you, sitting in Christ Jesus. He wanted them to be one, he wanted them to be together. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. And that word entreat there comes from the word parakaleo, which means came from the paraclete or the holy, the, the, the comforter that was going to come. And, and he wanted them to be a comfort. Help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement and also with others, my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. They were living in two worlds. And he knew that. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice. Now, how are we going to be workers together with God? Just like this. There's no place for anything but rejoicing and rejoicing in the Lord. We have it made. Let's be positive. God's going to help us. God's going to strengthen us. God's going to give life. God's going to support us. We're a support group of none like in this world or in the world to come, we're just we're living in two worlds because we have the forces of heaven working with us. And he said, "You rejoice in the Lord." And he said that word always means there's no other way to be but the positive. You don't get out in the rut and think negative. Brother Palmer told us at the encouragement meeting. He said. Cheryl Ann, you'll be interested. She said, said uh, that Glenn, one time, he gave up. Most of the time, he's positive. One time, he said, I don't think I can make it. But he, he hurtled over that. This is a key verse. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. When we're feeling bad and when she's feeling bad, our prayers and our help is going to support and we're going to be rejoicing and thanking God for his guidance. We're living in two worlds. We're living not only in this old world that's filled with pain and discouragement and discomfort, but we're living in another world that can pull us out. Now, the way to do that, number five, is it says let your uh, moderation means your behavior, your conduct. Just let it be known to all men. You know how you do it? The Lord is at hand. We're living in two worlds. He's at the right hand of God. I know that. He's there 
at the right hand of God, pleading our case. And the only way we can go through it is that the Lord is near. He's near. And that word, he's at hand, means he's near. And as long as we can hold on to him, we're going we're gonna to make it. Now, in that sixth verse, it says, Stop being anxious. Now, how did, how, why did I say that? Well, because of the original language, it means to stop doing the thing that you're doing. And we don't translate it that way. But they were anxious, and they were filled with anxiety. And he said, stop being that way. Stop doing that. Well, what do you do if you go into the hospital and say, now, don't worry about this. Don't worry. That's going to make that person worry. Well, you just stop worrying, and what do you do when you stop worrying? You have to do something or you're going to be filled with worry. Well, here's the, here's the positive. Look at it. Stop worrying. You just pray and everything. You don't have time to think negative and to be caught in the anxiety if you're praying positively and you're in touch with two worlds. This one with pain, this one with discomfort, this one with sadness, but you're in touch with the one that is free from pain, is in peace, and offers strength. And you know your prayer is one thing. That's when you request of God. But supplication is a specific need that points toward what Cheryl will be wanting when she's needing all the help for her present whatever she's in need of. That's what supplication involves. It's a present need, very much of a need at that time. And then it's thanksgiving for what he's done and what he's done before and what he's doing now because we have faith in him. And then the other part is your request. There's four points of that prayer. And let it be made known to God everything by prayer, but then specific needs, you name them. And then thank God that he's answering. Thank God that he's helping. And then we say, God, we need this. And you know what will happen? The seventh verse promises what will happen. The peace of God. Peace in time of pain. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts. And that's a continue to keep it. And your minds through Christ Jesus. And that's what we're after. And that's what we want. And we're all priests. We can all pray. And we all need to know the names that go before the throne of God and the requests that we have. James said, The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much in its activity, in its working. We believe that. We believe that. There are so many passages that we can emphasize That'll keep us. But you know, we're workers together with God. We're workers together with one another. We're workers together with God. We're workers together for God. We're workers together with God. We're workers together in God. I just got to let you turn to Hebrews in closing. 
because this takes us in a beautiful setting before the throne of God. This beautiful uh, book, it's a sermon. And that first chapter just pictures God, uh, Jesus Christ. Look at those two worlds he's been in. He, in fact, he's taken part of the world that's down here in the fathers and the prophets and is spoken, and that's this present world. But then he came from the other world, and in the last days, and he's been appointed heir. Look at that second verse. He's been appointed the heir of all things. We have with him. And he's made, he made the worlds. And he's the brightness of his glory. And he's the express image of his person. And he upholds all things by the word of his power when he hath by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's there. That's pictures of two worlds. I want you to look at that second chapter. Look at that ninth verse. He made Jesus, he was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every one of us. Now, I don't care if we get close to death. He knows where we are. He can sustain our life or he can take us. I want you to look at that 14th verse. He was partakers of the flesh and blood just like we. He, made, he took part of these two worlds. He took part of the same. And through death, he destroyed Satan. We've got to believe that. He had the power of death, the devil did. You know what he did for us? We're living in two worlds. He delivered us through the fear of death. For all time, our lifetime subject to bondage, he took us out of that and made us one in Christ and saved us. I want you to look at that fourth chapter in the last four, uh, three verses. Seeing then we have a great high priest who is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, we are living in two worlds. He's focusing on the other world. Jesus, the Son of God, hold fast. You're, what? Now where you are and who you are. But we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like as we, yet without sin. Let us therefore go, come boldly. Why do we come boldly? We know he's going to hear us. We know he's paid the price. We know he's there going to bat for us. And let's come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Now I want you to close. Help me with this 8th uh, eight, eight chapter in the first verse. Now the things which we have said spoken of this, uh, the sum is, the sum total is, that we have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of God, majesty in the heavens. He's there. He is there. Now look at the 12th chapter. Look at the second verse of the 12th chapter. 
You're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There he has him right there again. He's there. And he's asking us to continue to look. Now we look at the 13th chapter and the 8th verse. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. If he said for us to be priests and help one another and support one another, I believe it. Oh, how we wish that he could come into our hearts and help us and, and strengthen us and help us to get this lesson. And let us have the mind of Christ. If you're subject to the gospel call in any way and you need to be restored to his love and to his mercy, we ask you to come as we stand together and sing.